Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you're reading my new book, Crucify My Love, book one in the Mask of the Gods series. Speaking of which, there's also a podcast called Mask of the Gods, which is me reading the book, if you're into that sort of thing. Check them out, if you would. Okay, so hi. Today we're going to be talking about Game of Thrones, episode three, The Long Night. And... I don't think I can really say too much before we go into spoilers, other than I was thoroughly disappointed by this episode, but I don't know that there was any other way to do it. Kinda. But we'll talk about that once we go into spoilers. Before we get started, if you haven't already, and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this podcast or this episode please do so. It helps me out a lot. It tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people. So please take a second and give us a nice review. That would make me very, very happy. Anywho, we're just going to go into spoilers in five, four, three, two, one. If you don't want to know anything about Game of Thrones, episode three, The Long Night, hopefully you're not here right now. Because, yeah, this was a, for me, a thoroughly disappointing episode. Brian kind of liked it a bit, but uh, I I don't think this episode had a chance of being really, really good. I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that of all of the battle episodes that we've gotten over the years, this is clearly the bottom. Like, I, I don't think that that's... Uh, an, an, an overstatement. It, it doesn't stack up to any of them. And in fact, I kind of wish they would have rewatched the Battle of Hartholm before they figured this out, because that was a really interesting way to use the Army of the Dead and the Night King and the White Walkers. And this wasn't at all. And it... it Two of the biggest problems that I just want to get out of the way really quickly because they're nitpicky and annoying, but there was way too much setup in the beginning. We knew at the end of last week's episode that the battle was happening today. Yeah, you have to take some time and show us where everybody is and all that, but I, I really don't need a long, ponderous shot of Tyrion walking to the crypts. We know he's going to be in the crypts. Show him, Sansa, and the others going to the crypts. We don't need, we don't need all the setup that we got. Okay, Mel, showing up and doing her thing. Okay, cool. Not telling us what the plan was supposed to be, I think, was a mistake. Because most of the tension in the episode was supposed to come from the fact that the plan wasn't going to plan. But other than Bran waiting in the Godswood to encounter the Night King, we we really didn't get much plan. So we couldn't tell when it was and wasn't going to plan. 
it just all looked like a cluster mess because I can't say the word that I want to because I want to keep my clean tag. Uh, yeah. And the end of the episode was too long. And I don't mean that in like the events were stretched out or anything. No, I actually do. They were literally stretched out. The fact that like the last 15, 20 minutes of the episode are in slow motion to me. And this is going to be a recurring theme in today's episode. I think they watched, it feels to me like they watched the final cut and felt like we got to the end too quickly and it didn't feel earned. So they had already filmed everything. They didn't have the money and the time to do reshoots and add more in. So they just put everything in ponderous slow motion with one of the worst musical beds the Game of Thrones has ever had that didn't tell me anything other than you should be sad now. Which, yeah, of course I should be sad now, but Game of Thrones usually has really good music, and this was not one of those episodes that had really good music or anything. And those two things kind of cap the problems that this episode had is we know what's going to happen. There's only, they have set it up so that there's only one scenario. One of two things is going to happen. Everybody's going to die or they're going to blow up the droid control ship and save whoever can be saved. Those are the only two things that can happen. There's not room in the setting, the story, or the world for a third surprise option to occur. And because we have three episodes out of this, there is the basic assumption that everybody is... Somehow they're going to survive, so the droid control ship is going to get blown up. And then our heroes are going to march south and we're going to have the fight with Cersei and all that. So that's number one. You know, the the tension really isn't there just because we're mid-season, we have three episodes left. I, I don't see how you can do three episodes just with Cersei or just, you know, the army of the dead walk marching slowly down. It, it just, that doesn't seem like it'll work. So you're kind of left by default realizing oh, they're going to kill the Night King. The droid control ship will be destroyed. All the dead will fall down dead and they will have won somehow. So going into the episode, the tension really wasn't there. The closest thing there was to tension was of the characters that are required to survive for the final episodes to have some sense of finality which other characters are going to die. Because, let's be honest, you can't kill Clegane because everybody wants to see he him fight his brother, and whether they kill each other, or the Hound dies, or he kills the, the Mountain, or whatever happens, people want to see that fight. They've been wanting to see the fight for years. That fight is going to happen, so the Hound is going to live. 
Danny and John both have to live because there needs to be tension over who's going to beat Cersei and what's going to happen afterwards. So both of them have to live. So no tension there. Um, Jamie and Tyrion have to live because of the whole prophecy of the Valonqar thing that Cersei will eventually be killed by her younger brother, which could be either Jamie or Tyrion. So you kind of have to leave both Jamie and Tyrion alive so that there can be some sense of, you know, which one of these will do it. It will be one of them, if not Arya. Those are the three candidates that are most likely to kill her. Arya, of course, then also has to survive. Well, they've been pushing the ship so hard with Brienne and Jamie that Brienne probably has to survive. So everybody else gets on the list of, hmm, maybe they'll die. And I'm not actually sure who did die. We, we had arguments over whether or not we saw various characters get killed or not. And that's mainly because the last 20 minutes is in slow motion. And it's not clear whether the events that we're seeing are sequential or synchronous. So we don't know if the events are happening at the same time and overlapping. And so the last 20 minutes is really like five minutes or if all, you know, the events are happening in sequence and we're just moving our attention back and forth. I kind of feel like they have to be happening at the same time for us to understand why John lives because that dragon was coming for him. And if it took 20 minutes for the dragon to realize it could just put its head over the fence and eat him or kill him or roast him. That's stupid. But if it was like five minutes and he's kind of moving down the thing, okay, maybe ish kind of, it's one of the problems that the episode really had. It's pacing was off and the characters did not act the way we expected them to act. Okay, yeah, so the Dothraki are great when they charge. Why would you have the Dothraki charge the army of the dead? That's stupid. That That's... That, <laughs> and I say this sitting here with my Zap Brannigan right next to me. That's like Zap Brannigan trying to take out the army of the dead and just giving them more troops. Why... Why would you have the Dothraki charge? You ju- you should hold them in reserve and have them go crazy and take everybody out. So that's number one. Okay, leaving the Unsullied out to man the retreat. Okay, fine, whatever. But I don't understand why anybody was outside the wall. I really don't. The whole point of the battle really needed to be to survive as long as possible so that the Night King could have his face off with Bran and then you could possibly kill him. That is the only part of the plan that we are really made privy to going into the episode. So the idea that you're just going to sacrifice two of your strongest forces, let's send the Dothraki out to all be killed off camera, 
as we watched the lights wink out, which, yeah, was a nifty effect, but it felt like such a waste and that they were just being stupid. It didn't add to the tension. It just made me go, oh, maybe everybody is going to die because they're just dumb and bad at it. And I don't think that's the tone that they wanted me to have at the beginning of the episode, but it is the tone that I ended up having. And of course, Ghost apparently dies in this charge because they don't like having to deal with the direwolves. That's why Nymeria doesn't come back or any of that. They hate dealing with the wolves, so now the wolves are all dead. And maybe that's foreshadowing for John dying. I don't know. But... Uh, so that that's annoying and the episode just had a lot of those there, there really wasn't a good pacing and they didn't I, I first of all Dan said something in the commentary after the episode that I don't know if he misspoke or if he gave away the ghost for the episode and why it felt weird but at one point, he says, when we handed the outline to the director to start filming. And I just went, oh, you handed in an outline instead of a script. Okay, I can accept that on some levels because you kind of want the fight choreographers and everything to figure all that out. So handing somebody an outline of these people fight, then these people fight, then these people fight... Okay, that, that makes a certain amount of sense to me. But considering the quality of the dialogue, it does beg the question to me how much of it was improvised on set. I mean, the last word, the last words Bran says to Theon is, Theon, you're a good man. And Theon charges the Night King and dies because Valor Morgolis, all men must die. Which I don't think really counts for Theon, because he's not, you know, he's technically a eunuch now, and in this world, you know, you know how they feel about eunuchs. But anyway, it, it that felt like an improvised line, and I'm wondering if it was. Because if they just handed over an outline, how much of the dialogue was really worked out? Did they just have a note that said that Sansa and Tyrion need to get chummy again? Is that... <laughs> I don't know, because... Uh, yeah. That whole thing was a thing. And maybe some of the better part of the episode, kind of. Except for, again, how stupid could they be? So, we are fighting an army led by people... Who can raise the dead. So let's take the most defenseless people that we have and put them in a crypt with a bunch of dead bodies and apparently no weapons. Why not? Let's do that. That that sounds smart. That sounds good. Let's do that because there's no way that the people that can raise the dead would raise the dead to kill all the defenseless people in the place where we put them so that they would be safe during the battle with all the dead bodies that could be immediately turned into combatants. Yeah, that that's smart. Like, seriously. 
And that's another part of the problem that I have with the episode is I don't know if Masande lived or died. We hear people screaming. We hear people being torn apart by the dead. And let's just kind of tackle that. The dead are so useless in this episode as far as tension goes. They're, it's worse than Walking Dead zombies. Because we, at least on that show, they have taken the opportunity from time to time to show us dead people that we would recognize. Kinda. And this is the perfect time to do that. Where was zombie Hodor? Where? Maybe they thought that that would cheapen his death. Maybe they thought that they'd have to pay him too much or just didn't want to put it in the budget to bring the actor back. I don't know. But given the personality that they've developed for the Night King, what little personality he has, which is just kind of like, come at me, brah. Um, Because that's kind of his, like, whole thing. Wouldn't he, like, bring zombie Hodor with him and send zombie Hodor to get Bran for him? Because, hey, you think you're big and bad? Well, I have your big and bad, and he's on my side now, and come at me, brah. I mean, (laughs) something? Like, we should have seen zombie Hodor. We should have seen at least one zombie Stark that we recognized. Even if it's just Lyanna. Like, even if you just take the girl that you cast to be Lyanna Stark and have her crawl out of the grave and we kind of recognize her face, because I don't know how the magic of the Night King works if, you know, Rob or Ned could have been brought back, though I think it would have been amazingly horrifying to see them in the tomb and Sansa having to deal with them. Or if Catelyn came back, which I don't know if she's down there or not, but, you know, seeing Catelyn come back would have been terrifying. Because, one, it would have been fan service because people would have gotten kind of their Lady Stoneheart moment. And just to see the horror of the Night King, because all Catelyn cared about was keeping her kids safe. And to see a showdown between zombie Catelyn and Sansa would have been so powerful and such an epic moment. But they didn't do it. And that's kind of the problem with this episode is they had so many opportunities, I'm going to say, for epic moments. And those are what made the previous battles matter, right? Is we either see a character do something uber heroic and it's an amazing moment we see a character almost die and it just like tugs at our heart like in the battle of the bastards when john is you know under the sheer mass of people being stomped to death right or we see somebody you know just heroically get killed in a powerful way and we really only got that for the mormons and Liana Mormont's death was amazingly powerful and probably the best part of the episode because she stood her ground. She was a beast. She took a giant out with her and it just kind of broke my heart when the Night King rose her from, you know, brought her back from the dead. That was powerful. That was amazing. That was just 
oh my goodness. I mean, it was just such a powerful moment in the episode. And I'm assuming Jorah is dead. I'm assuming. Because he kind of took a lot of took a lot of blows there. So I'm assuming Jorah is also dead. And seeing him go down fighting for Danny, that makes perfect sense. I mean, that's how he would have wanted to go, is somehow in her service. And so, you know, that was fine. But to save all of the whites so they could literally reservoir dogs slow walk into the godswood with the Night King at the end? Really? That was the best use for them? We couldn't just, like, pepper them amongst the horde of undead zombies and maybe have one or two get taken out as that moment of, maybe they can win, and then the horde of zombies goes crazy and, you know, oh no, maybe they won't, and have an ebb and flow to the battle. We couldn't do that. As Brian likes to say, we couldn't have any of the boss battles. Like, really? None of them? Okay, that was a choice, and I think a bad one. The other bad one was, and Dave said this in the commentary at the end, where they specifically decided to have the best fighter of them all, little Arya, get hit on the head and go dumb. And she does. She gets hit on the head and goes dumb for a while. And that that was the moment for me that broke the episode. And it wasn't that Arya suddenly forgot how to fight or any of that crap. It was that we suddenly see the Whites behaving in a way that we've never seen them behave before. And it became an episode of The Walking Dead. They're just kind of shambling about and reacting solely to sound. And okay, I'm fine with that. Because that's how we have collectively decided that zombies will react in these kinds of stories. But you didn't let me see them act that way at any other time. So if they're not going to consistently act like that, or at least periodically act like that, it seemed very out of their character to suddenly go from these fast-moving, marauding, just like shredder machines of death and destruction back to the slow shambling zombies that we would expect in something like The Walking Dead. And I think that that would have been interesting if they would have left a couple in the episode, I think it was the last episode or episode before, the episode before, the first episode, when we find out that they've taken Last Hearth, if there just would have been a few kind of shambling Walking Dead in there, doing cleanup, making sure that the place was devoid of life, and we would have seen that there, okay, you would have at least established that that's a thing that they do, but this was yet another part of the episode where you can really see the hand of the writer come in and say, ooh, we need to break the tension here and slow it down. Let's suddenly make this into a horror film. And that's the problem. This should have been a horror film from start to finish. This should have been the Battle of Jerusalem from World War Z, but done right. 
let's man the walls, let's keep the walls, let's try to hold out as long as we can until we can kill the Night King and take that droid control ship down and suddenly win the day. Because I think that would have been a lot more tense and a lot more, you know, interesting in some ways. Because wiping out the Dothraki and these pointless, just crazy dark and I feel like the they saw the footage and realized that the makeup and the special effects weren't up to par and so they just toned down the brightness so you couldn't really see it for reasons and I also felt like they did that during the dragon fight in what should have been the hands down most epic part of the season Three dragons are fighting. Three. Three dragons. Two on one. Three dragons are fighting. This should have just been the crowning glory of the episode. (sighs) But it wasn't. Because one, they decided to turn down the contrast and the saturation so much... That even though we have three dragons, there are three distinct colors. We have a black one, we have a green one, and I don't know, is is Viserion still yellow? Did he turn white? Whatever. Whatever color the Night King's dragon, undead dragon is. Three distinct colors. So why couldn't we tell them apart if they weren't breathing fire? That, that should have been a layup. But, again, I felt like they saw the footage, didn't think it was good enough, and they desaturized it, desaturated it, so that we couldn't see the color that well, and then took the contrast and brightness down so that we couldn't really make out what was going on that well to cover up the lower quality special effects. But the whole reason for this supposedly taking two years to do is that they were going to do epic movie quality special effects. And these were not them. The fight was incoherent. It was almost impossible to follow. The only time you really knew what was going on was when the Night King was right on Danny's Tukas or right on John's. And you knew that because blue fire chasing, you know, like, oh my goodness. That should have been the moment that we all came away from the episode raving about because we got to see three dragons in epic combat instead of like, they kind of chase each other a little bit and then there's a little bit of flying around and a little bit of hovering. You know, I really hate to say this, but there were better aerial combats, dragon on dragon aerial combats, in DreamWorks's Race to the Edge, which if you haven't seen it, that's the How to Train Your Dragon show that they did with Netflix. And they did better dragon-on-dragon aerial combat fights than this Game of Thrones episode. 
and that's a kid's show where no one's allowed to die and the stakes can't be that high and you are kind of stuck with this like bright color palette and whatnot because it's a kid's show it shouldn't have a better dragon fight than game of thrones after waiting two years for it but it it does I, i'm probably gonna end up doing an episode at some point over whether or not benioff and weiss can be trusted with star wars now because this episode really cast a lot of doubt on that for me but uh that's something we're gonna have to talk about in an episode by itself and before we go we have to talk about the last moments of the uh, that happened where it was finally revealed that Arya stark is azora high because reasons that beric dondarian was kept alive because he was named her champion and the lord of light couldn't let him die until he saved her at this pivotal moment so that she could fight and kill the night king okay and that's also why the hound apparently survived because the lord of light needed Arya to kill the night king or something and dude i'm fine with it i mean brian definitely called that and yeah i mean it was fine it was cool she took down the droid control ship and then the episode ended on the weird note of watching melisandre just go off into the snow and dying because i don't know game over man and it just would have taken like one line just have her turn to sir davos and say i have finished my work or it is it is done it is finished and then walk off or some you know the lord of light is done with me or whatever because it was so bizarre and anticlimactic that she just like i kept waiting for a zombie to eat her or something because she said she, she she would die at the battle of winterfell and she does but because she just kind of walks off takes her necklace off and collapses okay so you did that i'm not happy with this episode and i i fully admit that you know having seen endgame maybe that f- plays into the sum brian liked it a lot more than i did but it 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 was weak sauce it just we waited two years for this and nah, they, they messed it up. Anywho, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. You can hit me up on Twitter. I'm C.E. Dorset on Twitter, or you can download the Anchor app, follow Project Shadow, and then in the, you'll see a button that says voice message. You can leave me a voice message. Keep it clean so I can use it on the show. And we can talk about that or anything. Leave your questions or comments or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show. If you get a book that can you can throw my way, in the show notes you'll see a link to community support. If you click that, you can join the project at the one, five, or ten dollar levels. That helps me do just about everything. So thank you so much to everybody who does that. Yeah. Until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.